feels good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. 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 I'm, uh, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad for uh, the friendship that I have with uh, so many people here in this place. And with Pastor and even Brother Nichols, we go back a ways as well. You know, he was a little, lot littler then. Uh, and I was a little boy then too, you know, wasn't that much older. But hallelujah, it is good to grow up in a family of God, hallelujah, to be able to know and call each other blessed brothers and sisters in the name of the Lord, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. I'm going to be reading from the book of Numbers in the 14th chapter, starting with the 4th verse, reading through the 12th verse. We're coming upon a time where Israel is at the gates of promise, man they are there at the brink of having what God told them would give them what he would give them their restoration amen how many of us have been to a point where we're ready to cross over right we're at the Jordan we're ready to cross over to the other side amen and this is where we are in the scripture at the moment chapter 4 Starts off, or, or chapter 14, verse 4 starts off and says, And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto the whole company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Amen? God's going to deliver you to a land of milk and honey. When he makes a promise, he's going to deliver you. They are bread for us, their defense is departed from them. These men were saying, hey, they've already lost, they don't even know it. What are you all afraid of? What are you all afraid of? They've already lost and they don't know it. Their defense is already departed from them and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But, isn't that the worst word? Sometimes that's the worst word, but. All the congregation bade stone them with stones. Their leader, their pastor, leading them to this place of promise. And here they are at the brink of moving over Jordan to a promised land. And they decide, let's just stone them and go back to where we came from. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will they ere thy believe in me? For all the signs which I have shown them, I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make thee a greater nation, mightier than they. And I want to preach on this thought tonight your comfort zone. 
You see, they were moving into something that was unknown. And at that moment of everything they had gone through, they decided it's a little uncomfortable right now. I'd rather go back to what I knew than move forward to what I don't know. If we could just bow our heads right now, Lord, I pray, God, that you move upon us here in this place. Jesus, deliver unto us a message, God. Touch us, Lord, right now in this place. Lord, let your spirit move upon us, God. Open up our minds and our hearts, Lord, that we could hear this word that you have for us in this place. We pray, God, that you bless us, every one of us here in this place, that your word could be heard. In your name we pray. Amen. It is a sad thing to think of the fact that the children of Israel, and we are literally talking about the children of Israel, would come to this point where everything they had seen, they didn't care anymore because what they were going to move into was unknown, and therefore, they didn't want to do it. They wanted to keep what they knew. They wanted to be comfortable in where they were at. Hallelujah. You know, the story doesn't start here. It actually starts hundreds of years before, right? When Joseph was given as a provision for the people of God. Amen. And unfortunately for him, he was chosen out of his own family and thrown into a pit and then sold off. You got to be careful sometimes the people that you associate with, because before you know it, they can have you in a pit and began to move over you and try and deliver you unto Satan and deliver you into this world. Amen. Joseph was going to have none of it. He didn't think about, oh, woe is me. What is happening to me? He continued to reach out to God and to look forward to what God had in store for him. And so God provided the children of Israel a provision in Joseph. Now, the children of Israel didn't know this, right? I mean, literally, Jacob did not know that there was a reason why his sons would take hit their brother and sell him off into slavery and send him off to Egypt. But God knew that there was going to be a great famine coming, and it would wipe out all the people. And so he had to provide for them. So God sent Joseph to be that provision. And so because Joseph went before them and prepared for them, and they didn't even know this, and God provided for them, and he even provided a land for them to live in during this time so that they could be delivered. And all the children of Israel left the promised land to go to Egypt, right? That wasn't their land. It was never a part of their promise. They left their promise to go to Egypt. Why? Because God had provided that for them. It wasn't supposed to be a permanent place for them. That was never the intention. God's intention was to provide for them during this time of famine and then go back to where you belong. Amen? You know, in, in this last year, we've had this, uh, this pestilence called COVID come upon the world, right? And it, it shut down so many things for a while, right? And everybody had to go home, right? People weren't allowed to work. Some people still aren't working. Amen. Some people still aren't going to church, 
right? Some people can only, only, only 25% get to go, right? How many times, how many people in this situation have allowed COVID to make them comfortable with life at home and forego coming to God, right? There was never the intention, right? It was just a provision for a short time, and now it is time to go back. But hundreds of years go down the road, and now all of a sudden the people became comfortable there in Egypt. They became a part of the culture. They became a part of, of the land and, and enjoyed everything that the land had to offer to them, and they had forgotten about the promises. And soon, a pharaoh came up who had forgotten about Joseph. Right? And all of a sudden, there was a new leader who said, all I see is an enemy in my midst, growing in, in, in size, right? Growing in numbers. And so he decided, well, we better do something about this now. Let's, let's oppress them, make them slaves for us. Amen? If you don't believe that sin will make you a slave, let me tell you something right now. Sin is enslaving in your life. If you let it, it will enslave you until the point that you don't even realize how comfortable you've become in that sin. How comfortable it is for you to just sit there on the couch. I'll, I'll tell you what, I, in, in the business I, I'm working right now, we had a, a job to do a few, uh, about a month ago, and uh, it was scheduled for a Saturday and a Sunday, right? And so the, the, this group of welders had to come in, and they had to do their welding work, and this other company had to come in. They had to do their wiring and their running of uh, electrical and, and hooking everything up. Well, there were two separate lines that had to be done, roughly about 10 hours of work on each line. So one was scheduled for Saturday. The other was scheduled for Sunday. Well, it turns out Sunday happens to be football, right? Well, these, these guys, they, they don't want to miss Sunday football. So they double-dutied it on Saturday to get both lines done because what's comfortable to them is sitting on a couch eating some nachos with the beer in their hand, rooting for the Raiders or for the Cowboys or for whoever it is that they want to watch on TV because that's what is comfortable to them. That is their comfort zone. And to leave that and come to church and to do a work for God is to step out of what they want and know and to move in a direction that is unknown to them. And they don't want to give up a comfort zone. They don't want to give up what they know. They want to be happy in their life. They want to be happy where they're at. Amen? But they don't even realize that they're living a life of sin. And we're not talking about evil people, right? We're not talking about murderers and, and, and evil in the world right now. We're just talking about people that are comfortable in life but they're living in a life of sin and they don't even know it. And they don't want to move away from it because they know it and it is comfortable. They know it and it is comfortable to them. It is what they know. And they don't want to give it up. And unfortunately, we have so many examples in the scripture of people who don't want to give up sin in their lives. They don't want to give up what it is that is holding them from moving forward across Jordan to the land of promise what is moving them in the direction that God has promised to them you see this scripture is given to us as a promise to deliver us from this world right. we're not supposed to be comfortable in this world we're not supposed to be of this world right. 
Amen. We're supposed to be looking forward to the time when God comes to bring us to our true home. Amen. Not here. You know, if, if uh, unfortunately, if you're thinking that you're going to get to watch your football games when you go to heaven, I'm sorry to say, I don't think that there's going to be a Super Bowl when we get to heaven. It might be fun here on earth, but in heaven, I don't think it's really going to happen. I don't know because it's not really in the scripture, doesn't outline it that way, but I just have a feeling that it's not going to be that way, right? I mean, I, I love my Dodgers, and I love the World Series, right? But I just got a feeling that I'm not going to get to watch the Dodgers win the World Series in the year 30,058 while we're in heaven. <laughs> Amen? I, I just, this just, let's be honest here. This, this world is going to come to an end because it is temporary. Hallelujah. It is temporary. It is not permanent. Amen? But the children of Israel became so comfortable as slaves that they would rather go back than move forward to promise at the doorstep of victory. Amen? At the doorstep of victory, they were there to move forward. Amen. You know, Moses, before this even happened, he had to, he had to grab, he took the tribes and he said, okay, we're going to choose one man from each tribe. We need 12 men to go over. And they chose from them 12 men to go over. Now, Caleb and Joshua, we know, were part of the 12 that went over, right? Well, when they came back, it, it was time to report on what they had seen, right? Report on the Amalekites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, you know, all the things they brought back, land filled with milk and honey and, and huge grape vines that they brought back with them, beautiful things and everything. Well, 10 of them decided that, hey, buddy, it ain't worth it, man. We have a better over here. Yeah. Hey, Amen. We got a better back there. It would be better for us to go back there and live in our house and sit in that comfort and slave away to Pharaoh than to deal with what's going ahead because the truth is we're just afraid. We don't know what's going to happen. Amen? I mean, you know, so what? There was ten plagues. Right? That's no big deal. Right? I mean, all the things that they saw. Jesus, our God was even saying right there, you know, what signs have I given them to let them know what is happening? And still, they tempt me. Still, they turn from me. Still, they murmur against me. And because of that, the Bible says that they were plagued with the pestilence. The ten that murmured and rose the people up against God died from the pestilence that came upon their bodies. And for 40 years, every single year for 40 days, the people were hit with a pestilence because of their choice to murmur against God and not do his will. Amen. We cannot be a people that speaks against our pastor, that speaks against the leadership of the church, that speaks against God behind their back, Amen. When we come forward to this place, we need to be in one mind and one accord in one direction. Hallelujah. We need to be thinking about one thing, and that is the fact that we have a home in glory. Amen. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song, you know, about my home in glory. Hallelujah. I want, you know, we don't really sing that kind of song anymore, right? But it still exists. 
right? Where the, the telephone, well, now nobody even knows what a telephone is because we got cell phones. The kids don't even call each other anymore. Now it's just all texting and Instagram and, and, and all the rest of it. I don't even know what half of this is. I, I've got a Twitter account, but I've never even used it, right? So uh, if people are following me, I don't know it. Um, but it is what it is. You know, I mean, this is just, it's just not my life, right? It's not my thing. Hallelujah. But praise the Lord. Some people out there are able to use it for the work of God. Glory to them. Hallelujah. The book of John, chapter 8, Jesus talks about sin. And he talks about how he who committed sin is enslaved to sin, is a servant of sin. One of the things that is hardest for us to really grasp is the fact that the devil is able to discern out of each and every one of us the desires of our heart. It is unfortunate that this is the way things are because God built, he, he created us to commune with him. Amen. He created us to be with him. At all times, for him to be able to commune with us, to come down and be with us. When he was with Adam and Eve in the garden, he would come down in the cool of the evening and walk with them and talk to Adam. Every day, he would come down and he would talk with Adam in the garden, right? But see, the serpent came in to that situation, and he was able to discern that there was a desire that he could turn to his side. Amen? That fleshly heart. That lust of the flesh, as the scripture always calls it, right? Everybody has something different, right? We don't have all the same thing, the same issues, the same lust of the heart, the same problems of the flesh, amen? Everybody has something different. But the devil is able to pick up on exactly what it is. And when he does, he just wants to put it in front of you. He wants to tempt you at all times to stop moving forward. Hey, you don't need that promised land over there. Look over there. The Hittites, right? I didn't even mention the giants. There's giants in the land. How are we gonna? How are we gonna? We're we're grasshoppers in their sight, man. I mean, that must have been a hundred feet tall the way they described it in the book, right? On those ten, I mean, they're they're going out of their way to make sure nobody crossed over, to the point where they were ready to stone the man of God and go back to sin because. That was a comfortable thing for them. Instead, they were going to waste away for 40 years in pestilence, year by year. The scripture says that until their bones were washed away by time, would they be in the wilderness. That time there was to be a time to completely remove the idea of enslavement from the people so that he could take those who only wanted a future to move forward. Amen? When, when you have sin in your life, God will waste away your life and your time in front of you because you choose to be comfortable instead of moving forward to what you don't know. The hardest thing about reaching out to people is to make them understand and believe that they are just comfortable in a life that is a lie and comfortable in sin that they don't even realize is around them because a time is coming when they will be judged for their life. They'll be judged for that time that they chose to sit down and watch that football game instead of go to church. 
where they went to go out with their friends at night and go drinking instead of going to church, instead of being on that outreach, right? Once we get into that point in time where we are moving away from God, we get to a place where it becomes so comfortable we can't even recognize that God exists in this world. And I'll tell you what, people, it is a sad thing to know today that there are people out there who are firm believers that God doesn't exist because the devil has taken control of this world. And man, there is no more truth than this, that this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Hallelujah. This is not my place. Amen. I'm not able to take it with me. Even if I give my money to pastor and he writes a check. Doesn't matter. I don't get to take it with me. It all becomes wasted away in time. Hallelujah. But we had a man of God fall down on his knees in front of the Lord. Amen. And he said, please, God. Let me intercede on them. Don't do this. You see, God was ready to just start over. If this, if this is the people that I have chosen, I'll just get rid of them. I'll find you somewhere else, Moses. We'll find you someone else, right? We'll maybe march over and we'll just turn all the Canaanites into Israelites or the Hittites, or whoever else, anybody who is going to listen to me and love me and not provoke me in, this, in this, uh, all the miracles that I provide for them, I will choose someone else. But the man of God got down on his knees and threw his face into the ground before the Lord and said, please, God, give us another chance. Give them another chance. And God delivered them who were willing to do his work. Those who were willing to to say, you know what, I don't even know this place that my parents talked about. I don't know this place that my grandparents talked about. This land of slavery, this land of sin, doesn't mean anything to me. All I know is I've been standing on the brink of this mountain looking at my promise. For 40 years, I've been looking at this promise and being told about this promise, and I'm ready to go to my promise. That's what we need as a church that is ready to go when the Lord calls, amen? Not, not going to sit there and say, you know what? Can we wait next week? Because I want to watch the World Series. Because my Dodgers are going to repeat in 2021, amen? Now, I'll tell you what, if God decides to come, as Pastor said earlier this morning, when, when that knock comes on the door, don't linger too long. Don't linger too long in your comfort. Don't wait until the moment is too late to decide. The scripture says that after that day happens, the churches will be filled with those who waited too late, who waited till that moment came and they realized, I don't want to be here anymore. This isn't my place. This isn't where I'm supposed to be, amen. I'm supposed to go. Hallelujah, I'm supposed to go. Everybody I know is gone. Where did they go? I know where they went. I just lost my way. I became comfortable with life. 
I became comfortable in my own skin and doing everything I get to do Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I get to have good times, right? That is, that is the problem about life is because Satan wants us to believe that everything is perfect in this imperfect world, that everything out there is okay, that it's acceptable, that sin is acceptable, it's okay, right? We're not talking about evil people, amen, but they don't even know that they're living in a world of sin, amen? God is going to move on somebody, and he's going to ask you to do something in your life, and you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone to do it. And it's not easy, amen? When, when God came to Gideon and said, hey, guess what? He's like, hey, let me tell you something. I've chosen you. Right? I'm sure at first Gideon was like, oh, man, God chose me. And he goes, okay, guess what? You know that those people over there, those thousands and thousands of people over there, you're going to lead my army. We're going to defeat them. And at that moment, Gideon was like, yeah. You know, my tent's really comfortable. I've got some goat skin seats in there, right? And my, my well is just a few feet away from the tent. I can get that, pull that water out. It's so clean and good. Lord, thank you for providing that well for me. It is amazing. But uh, if you really want me to do this, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm going to put a fleece out here, and, and you make, you make, the fleece wet and the ground dry. And if that's the sign that I'm your, I'm your man, I'm the, I'll, I'll step out of all these comforts I have at this home, and I'll do it, right? So he wakes up in the morning, and he runs out there. I'm sure he was so excited to find out that he was God's man. And he looked on, and he's like, Oof. oh, man, I really didn't think that that was going to happen. Man, all right, God. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me, please. Give me one more, give me one more try. Let, we're going to do this again. This time, make the, the ground wet and the fleece dry. Yeah. Right? And, and so I'm sure, you know, he got back on that comfortable goatskin sofa of his, and he sat down and began to jump on Twitter and see what was going on. <laughs> you know, scroll through his phone for a little while, and he's like, hey, yeah, you know, Caught a couple of cool videos on YouTube and stuff and had a laugh, right? Now I'm going to bed. No care in the world because I know tomorrow when I wake up, everything's going to be wet, right? And he walked up and he ran outside again, excited to find out he's the man of God. And he sees him and he's like, ooh, man, why me? How many of us have been in that situation? Well, we feel God move on us to do something. And the first thing that comes to our mind is, uh, oh, whoa, why me? You know? It's like when someone starts yelling at you, hey, you, what do we all do? <laughs> Obviously not talking to me. Must be someone else because I don't know you and you don't know me. So if you're yelling, hey, you, there must be another you somewhere over here that I can't see, right? And they're like, no, 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 you, 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 come here. And they're like, oh, man, what on earth is that going on? I don't even know what to do now, right? Hey, man, but Gideon said, you know what, God? 
if you're going to call on me to step out of my comfort zone, I'm going to do it. Amen? And he stepped out, and he did God's word, and he listened to the Lord, and God brought victory to them. Amen? The scripture is full of people who decided to look back on their life of sin and go, you know what? It's too comfortable. Lot's wife decided, I like it. I don't want to give it up. Amen. And she became a pillar of salt. Because even in the moment of leaving it all behind to move forward, she said, I just want to see it one more time. How many times have we been in this walk with God and we're tempted again by something in this life and we decide to, to look? What is it? I remember that feeling, right? I remember being comfortable, right? We're, we're moving in a way, in a direction that I don't know for sure what's going to happen. And this is so comfortable over here. Why is it that I have to become uncomfortable? Amen? Because we're not supposed to be comfortable here. That's the hardest thing for us to, to, to realize because our flesh wants to be comfortable here. We want all the comforts of this world to be here for us now, today, this moment, right? It's the reason why we have a house and a bed. We're not sleeping on dirt and rocks as a pillow, amen? The reason why we're not living out in the wilderness today is because we want to have all comforts of life now. We don't want to wait. And for a credit card and a bill and debt and everything else in our lives, we are told that we can have all comforts of this world. And if only we would just leave it behind and move forward like Gideon did, or like David, amen? You see, King Saul, as Pastor said last week on Wednesday night, Saul was sitting in his tent. He didn't even have his armor on. That enemy is right there in front of you, and you're waking up for 40 days, and you don't even put on your clothes to go to work. He's just sitting in his comfort, waiting for someone else to step out and do God's work. We can't be a people waiting for someone else to do God's work for us. When God moves on us to do something for him, we need to be ready to move forward and do his work. We need to be ready to do what he asks us to do. It's not comfortable. I understand that, right? I mean, it might be really easy for some people to do it, but it's not easy for everybody to step out from your comfort zone and witness to somebody else that you don't even know, who you're afraid is just going to look at you like you're some nut. What's wrong with you? Are you talking to me? I don't even know you. Right. I don't know you either, but God wants to know you. Amen. If we think about that, think about all the people that God wants to know that he puts in front of you every single day. That you walk right past, amen? I'm sorry, I'm guilty, right? I mean, everybody I walk past there, I mean, there's only a few people that know what I, that I go to church, that I believe in God, right? I mean, I, I don't sit there and, and walk around with a sign while I'm at work, right? So that everybody knows, right? Maybe I should, maybe, maybe I should get a shirt that says, you know, I go to church. <laughs> if, if you want to know God, talk. 
Let's talk. If you want to, maybe I should get a shirt and put together, you know, start selling them. I could probably retire and be comfortable. <laughs> Hallelujah. In Second Chronicles 7, 14, before I read that scripture, what leads up to that is that Solomon is building the temple of God. And after the temple is built, they're going to dedicate it to the Lord. So they hold a big fundraising service, and they deliver unto them 20,000 head of oxen to sacrifice, and 120,000 sheep to sacrifice to the Lord, and dedicate the temple to him. And you would, you would think, whew, God's excited. Well, that is a lot of sacrifice. That is, that is a lot of donation given to the church. And so he visits Saul, or Solomon, and he says in chapter 14, he says, I'll tell you what, chapter 7, I'll tell you what, Solomon. If my people who are called by my name, let me, let me tell you something right now. If you're here in this church and you believe in God, you are called by his name. We are his people. And he has called us by his name. And that is the reason why we are here. And the scripture says, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their comfort zone. The wickedness of this life, if you'll give it all up, right? If you give it all up and pray, then I will heal your lands. I will heal your people. I will take care of your sickness. Amen. We have a miracle in the church tonight. Someone who believes in God and God delivered him from his sickness that tried to take him. Amen. We have so many miracles walking around in this life because we, we believe in the fact that we can give up the comforts of this world to be able to move forward. And let me tell you, as I'm getting ready to close, When we think about the goodness of God, everything he can do, and we think about miracles, right? Everybody loves a miracle. And man, we all love to hear about miracles, things that happen in this world that we can't describe, right? Medicine, science cannot describe how this happened. We don't know, right? Whenever there's something that science can't describe, they call it a phenomenon. Right? Right? Because it's phenomenal, and, but they don't understand it. So they call it a phenomenon because they can't understand what they don't believe. Amen? Because if you don't believe in God, you can't believe in a miracle. Hallelujah? Right? There's only one miracle worker in this world. Right? And if you don't believe in him, right, then how can you believe in a miracle? So you're given a name that no one knows or no one understands because of something you don't believe. But when we give ourselves to God and we do a work for him, we can heal someone's life.
We can heal someone's problem. We can take care of it. When, when Peter and John, the day after Pentecost, went to the temple to go praise and worship God, right? They came upon a, a man sitting there begging for alms. The scripture says that he had been that way from birth, right? He had been that way from birth. And that every day, someone would come and bring him to the temple gate, right? And they would set him there. And we have amazing modern technologies today that we can do all kinds of things in medicine now. But back then, they didn't really have medicine, right? So all, they would take people that were in conditions and they would bring them to the temple, right? And there he would sit every single day and ask for alms because the only thing the world could offer him was their pity. I'm here to tell you right now, there's only one thing this world can offer you, and that's pity on you. Because the world cannot heal you, only God can. The world cannot save you, only God can. The world cannot deliver you from all the problems in your life, only God can. And as much as I want to help you, as much as I want to be able to deliver you and to be a part of a miracle in your life, the only thing I could give you is an alm and say, good luck. That's the only thing I have to offer. I don't have any power. And so Peter and John come walking by and this man says, alms. And Peter looks down at him. The scripture says very plainly, that a boldness came over him. Amen. It's so awesome when the spirit moves, how bold you can feel. Amen. When the spirit begins to move in this place, how it's a feeling. You can feel it. It becomes palpable. And I, I've heard descriptions of clouds filling the entire congregation as God moves through at conferences. Right. Amen. When God begins to move, it becomes a feeling that we can all feel. Amen. And there that power came over him. And he says, I don't have any money, but I have something that I can give you that is better than what anybody who's ever walked by you before has been able to give you. Stand up and walk. And he reached down and, and he grabs this man. And no doubt that Holy Ghost that was flowing through in boldness at that moment through Peter began to move through him and he began to feel joints loosen and he began to feel toes right and all of a sudden man I can my hips are a little bit oh man I can start to and he began to rise up and he was made whole Amen. you see Doctors today can do many things. But they really can never restore you to wholeness. Someone born with a deformity can have surgery to try and help them, but it never restores them to wholeness. But if they come to God, if they come to the man who is the miracle worker, if they come to the one who has provided everything in our life, Right? He's provided for us. When we don't even realize that we needed provision, he has provided for us. He has given us people. I'll tell you what, 
I am so glad that I have a pastor who prays. I am so glad that I have men in my life who pray. I am so glad that I have a church that will pray for me in my situation. Because I'll tell you what, in my bleakest moments of life, I had nowhere to turn but God. Amen? It is a sad thing for us to get to a point where the only thing we can do is look for God. Right? We never want to do that in the moment everything's going great. Why is it that we never want to leave our comfort zone and give up everything that's feeling so good to look for God? We always wait until that moment when we have nothing and we know that the world can no longer offer us anything. That moment when the prodigal son sat there eating slop out of the pig's pen, did he finally come to the realization even the servants have it better than I do. Amen? He left the master's house where he had every comfort in the world to go out and search after his own, which is fine. There's no problem with us going out on our own, right? But if we began to move away from God and we began to become part of the world, and we began to be comfortable with that part of the world until the world no longer cares about us. The world no longer needs us, right? This young man, when he had his inheritance, he was everybody's best friend. But the moment he didn't have that inheritance, the world didn't need him anymore. You see, Satan wants to pull on you as the musicians come. Satan wants to pull on all of us and try and pull that string a little, tug on us and say, you know, it's really cool if you come to a party once in a while. It's really cool if you take this pill once in a while. It'll make you feel good. It'll take care of all your problems. You see, he wants to take us away from our promise. He doesn't want us to be a part of the promised land. Amen. He already knows his destruction. He knows what's happening to him. And he is hoping that he can convince you that it's going to be fun. That it's going to be a party. That it's going to be every desire that you've ever had fulfilled. When he dangled that apple in front of Eve, he was able to see in her eye that little bit of desire, right? It wasn't the fruit itself. It wasn't the apple, right? He planted a thought into her heart before she even ever saw the fruit. He planted a thought into her heart that created a desire to have something that God had already forbidden. And once that took, that little seed took hold and began to grow in her, she began to obsess about it. The, the scripture doesn't exactly tell us that she was standing right there. You know, I like to think in my own mind that she was 
just somewhere in the garden and the serpent came to her and began to tell her about the fruit, right? And, and she knew exactly what he was talking about. She knew exactly what the serpent was talking about. And he began to, to entice her desire. And he told her, you know what? You'll become wise. You'll know everything. You'll know everything God knows. And that thought lingered for a moment. And this is how I honestly believe that that, that thought lingered for a moment until it took a hold of her. And she decided, I would like that. I would like to have some knowledge. I'd like to see that. So she went to the tree. You see, because once we allow Satan to plant the seed and we begin to contemplate and think about it and really start to kind of chew on it a little bit, that idea, then we, we even move forward to that point where we're at the tree and we look at that fruit and we go, you know what? It looks good. You know, because surely if it was bad for me, it would be disgusting to my eyes, right? If it was bad fruit, it wouldn't even look good. It would look rotten and nasty, you know, and it would, you wouldn't even want to touch it, right? Because it would just eh, yuck in your hands and stuff. But no, you know, we always kind of portray the idea of an apple because it's so shiny and it looks so good right and she no doubt once that point happened she looked at it and she took the fruit and put it into her hand and she said you know what I would like to have this I, I desire to have what I don't have in my life and unfortunately she got kicked out of the presence of God because of it. You see, we can't live in sin and still abide in God's presence. Amen? We can't have both the fruit and commune with God. We have to choose. The children were at a point, children of Israel were there at the brink of a promised land. And everything was wonderful until the idea of giving up that fruit. But, but back in Egypt, I didn't have to worry about going to war. I mean, I had to, you know, make bricks and mortar and slave all day, but at least I didn't have to go to war, right? I didn't have to step into a land with giants in it. I didn't have to, to worry about what was going to happen tomorrow, if I'm even going to have a home or a tent or anything to live in. I don't know what's going to happen, but at least in Egypt, they fed me, they gave me a roof, and yes, there was slavery, but I was comfortable. Every day I was comfortable. See, they, they forgot. So sad, they forgot. The times that they cried out, to God and said, deliver us. We know we're not supposed to be here. Deliver us. There's nothing we can do. And God delivers them and brings them all the way to the, to the Jordan 
to the coast of the river. And there, they say, I don't want it. I want to go back. So close to having the promise, only to turn around and give it away, to never see it, to walk around that mountain for 40 years in pestilence for 40 days of the year, not having any more comfort in life until the time that they died and their bones became washed away and they were completely forgotten. And the children of Israel that were left moved forward into the promised land. Don't let the comfort of this world entice you to move away from God. Don't let this world become common to you. Amen? Because this world is not common for us. Hallelujah. We are called to follow after the Lord. We are called to be his people. Amen. When that woman came, as pastor said this morning, and cried out to God because her daughter was in need, she was not comfortable with what was happening. Amen. She was not okay with what was happening to her daughter. And she needed a miracle performed, and she knew who to go to. Amen? We know exactly who to go to. Hallelujah. I, I could tell you this. My sister does not live for God, even though she was raised in the church. Amen? And I love her, and I don't agree with anything she agrees with and everything, but I'll tell you this. When something wrong happens in her life, and she realizes it's no longer comfortable. The first thing she does is calls and says, I need prayer. And you all know somebody like that. We all have a family member or a friend who knows we can pray. Amen. Because she knows she can't. I can't reach out to God in my condition because I won't give up my comfort of this world. I need him to do something right now in my life, but I'm not willing to step forward across that river into land of promise because I am so comfortable over here. And I just want you to take care of my problem today. I want you to take care of what I need today so that I can go back to my life tomorrow and stay in sin because I'm comfortable there. Don't let comfort in this world take a hold of your life. Be prepared to fight. David said that he had to wake up every single day and die in Christ. He had to give himself up because he understood that if he let his desires take control for just a little bit, that it would become a pool, right? It would become a pool to try and take him away from doing what God had sent him to do. And he said, I can't take that chance. I can't let my own wants and desires move me away from what God has designed for me. Because if I do, there won't be a book of Romans. 
won't be a book of Corinthians. There won't be thousands of lost saved so that I can do what I want in this time of comfort. I had an uncle who's passed away and for years was lost to this world in drugs. He spent time in prison. He told me a long time ago, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that in the end he came back and if you have lost children out there, I can tell you my grandparents prayed every single day of their life for their son to come back. He was born and raised in a church. His dad was a pastor from everything he knew. He played a trumpet every single day in church. Every single church service, he played a trumpet, right? Until that point when he turned 18 and he began to let drugs take control of his life and then he left it. And he told me that he told God, he said, give me a season to have fun and then I'll come back to you. And I'm glad he came back to God. But unfortunately for him, that life took its toll. And just a few years after he came back to God, he lost his life because of that season of fun that he wanted to have. Too many people want to have fun for a season. They know what the truth is. They know that there's a promise for them but they just want to have a little bit of time for me. I don't want to give up what is good right now, the comfort that I'm in. I don't want to step out and do this work because I know it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. When the disciples left and went out, the Bible says that God told them, go out in twos and don't take anything with you. Don't pack any clothes. Don't, don't bring any food. Right? Wherever you go, I will provide it for you. All we know is that God is going to provide for us as long as we continue to keep him first in our life. As long as we continue to put him ahead of everything else. Amen? Ahead of all desire and wants. And I would love to be rich. Right? I would, there's so many things I would love to do that sound like fun, right? That I could, that I could really enjoy having a, a multi-million dollar yacht and cruise the world for a while, right? I could, you know, have my own jet and fly wherever I want, right? And have fun. I, I love to play golf, right? I could easily go play every golf course in the world if I had enough money to do it, right? All those things sound like fun, but where would it lead me? What would I get from it? The only thing this world can offer you is a t-shirt. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. We can't have anything else. But with God, we have eternal life. With God, we have a promise. If we step out and let him lead us, if we step out from our comfort zone, let's stand around this place tonight. Let's just begin to let the Spirit move, touch each and every one of us here. Don't become comfortable in this life. Don't let choices take you away from God.
and move you into a world that will just chew you up and leave you in a pig's pen hoping to have some kind of scrap to live off of. The scripture doesn't promise you wealth and riches, but it promises you eternal life. You just have to trust God to do a work for you. Let him be your prize. Let the Spirit guide you every single day. Let his word talk to you daily. Read your scripture. Amen. Let the Spirit move on you every single day. Listen to the word of God. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. The Spirit and the word of God can speak to you. God spoke to a young boy named Samuel and said, I have a work for you. Follow my word. Listen to me. Let's put God first in our life. Let's let him guide us. Don't turn away from his promise. Don't give in to comfort of this world, but step out of your comfort zone and do something for him. Be a part of his work. Amen. Be a part of the church. Hallelujah.